you can explore an exclusive collection of case law at Decisis Law Reports. Browse a comprehensive collection of nearly 14,000 reports of Irish legal judgments delivered since 2011. Visit decisis.ie to find out more. Hello, and you're very welcome to episode 11 of The Fifth Court. Are we at 11 already, Mark? It's extraordinary, isn't it? This is our podcast on legal affairs, which is presented by myself, Peter Leonard Barrister. And myself, Mark Tottenham Barrister and editor of Decisis.ie. Mark, we're still in Cork. We're having a great time, aren't we? We certainly are. Beautiful okay. inside. And on last week's show, we had a wonderful discussion with Professor Ursula Kilkelly, who, amongst other things, called on the Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman. Do you remember her parting mm-hmm. remarks? And she said, you need to give full legal status to the Convention on the Rights of the Child. So that's, you know, a serious call out at the end there, Mark. It is. Okay, well today, we, as I said, we're still in the beautiful environs of University College Cork and travelling up to us today from Clonakilty in equally beautiful West Cork uh, is Solicitor Flora McCarthy, who along with a colleague from County Wexford set up the Solicitor's Growth Network, which is for small and medium firms uh, and it's very progressive. And he's, I, I think he it's going to so be very innov- interesting. I mean, it's, it's so interesting, he's so innovative, this man, yeah, isn't absolutely. he? Absolutely, and it's born out of the, the, the COVID lockdown, but it really is, it, it shows how technology can really assist sort of firms in small regional towns. But even the way he developed his own practice, you know, operating from Clonakilty and broadcasting yeah. to the world effectively, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. But first, we're going to start with three cases, Mark, that you've identified yeah. from uh, the Decisis website. Uh, and we're going to start with a criminal decision from the Court of Appeal. This is the case of Director of Public Prosecutions versus BK. It's a decision of Mr. Justice George Birmingham, who is the President of the Court of Appeal. And it concerned whether interviews by a forensic psychologist in the case of wardship proceedings uh, should have been excluded from a criminal trial. Now, Mark, this is a very, very disturbing case. It, uh, is, it concerns yeah. a mother uh, who, unlike her husband, had not been prosecuted for child abuse against her, her and his children. Uh, it's just, it's horrific. Uh, however, in the course of discussions with the psychologist down the line, she made certain admissions which led to a criminal prosecution being brought. Exactly, yes. And, and as I think we discussed in a recent show, if the... Um, it, it, it's now open to the DPP to to challenge the exclusion of evidence by a trial judge and then get, have a retrial ordered. And as you said, in this case, the the the, um, the 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 victims, the complainants in this case, were some adult children of a couple from outside the state who had been the subject of, I suppose, what you could describe as child pornography Im- images. Certainly, images that that, that had been the, the the subject of a Europol investigation. Their father had been prosecuted. Another man had been prosecuted, but the mother had had been had not been prosecuted and be, had been told that she wouldn't be prosecuted. However, because they were uh, adults and of unsound mind, then wardship proceedings uh, ensued. And a forensic psychologist interviewed the mother on five occasions in relation, essentially, to, 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 to what kind of care should be put in place in, for, the, for, these, the, 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 for their children. And the fifth of these interviews, she made certain admissions. And as we know from an earlier case, a forensic a, 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 a psychologist or a counsellor is obliged to pass that information yes, on. And so to the Tusla, G- I presume, yes. Yes, to Tusla, but ultimately this ended up with the, the DPP guards, yeah. and the... Um, and the DPP decided to prosecute. Now, the what was raised in the defence, not surprisingly, was she was not interviewed in the course of a criminal 
uh, a, a criminal investigation. She was not arrested given her, the, the formal warnings that she would, ex would expect to be given. She wasn't given access to a solicitor, although a solicitor was advising her in relation to the wardship proceedings. Should this be, should this information be put before the jury? And the trial judge held that it should not be put before the jury, that, that, that this wasn't an interview that had happened the way that they're supposed to happen, and excluded it. Um, but the DPP appealed it to Court of Appeal, uh, to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal held that it was appropriate for these interviews to be and put the court, before the jury. The court said that even though this wasn't a formal investigative interview, mm -hmm. um, she was very familiar with the legal process, and that there was the whole legal process, maybe that her husband had been involved in, etc. Mm -hmm. um, that that was in the background, and that she was aware of that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, th I think th there's no doubt. It, 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 it's certainly something that it, I think a lot of criminal practitioners would be raising their eyebrows over. And I mean, that's not to say it's a wrong decision, but it, you know, they said it was in the interests of justice for this, for, for, for these, for these interviews to be put before the jury. But, but certainly, it wasn't in the context of a of a, of a formal guard interview the way that we're familiar with. Effectively, this information was known and couldn't be unknown, and was given to a state agency. Is, exactly. that, is that is that is that basically yeah. it? Okay, uh, very interesting decision there, and obviously a. Very very disturbing backstory. Uh, next, we go to a landlord and tenant dispute, and this will be of interest to anybody who had a tenancy that was of no assistance to them during the COVID lockdown. This is the case of Tracy versus Lee James Menswear. We'll, you'll never guess who had the tenancy in this case. Uh, it's a deci decision of Mr. Justice Meenan, uh, and in this case, a commercial tenant did not want to have to pay their landlord, presumably because they were making no money, selling no menswear. Uh, and they argued that their contract had been frustrated by COVID-19. Mr. Justice Meenan wasn't buying it. No, the, the, um, the, the, basically, as you said, it was a, it's a claim for summary judgment by a landlord for, unpa for unpaid arrears of rent. And, um, and the defendant said, well, we, we, we couldn't operate during COVID. We, 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 the, there was a lockdown in place. We weren't able to make any money. Therefore, we shouldn't have to pay our, to pay our rent. And um, they invoked the doctrine of frustration, which I know you're very familiar yes. with. Um, Edward Seventh, Exactly, yes. And his the, coronation. Yes. And the, the boat going down the Thames. That's the, that's, that's the, the, the textbook example. Um, <laughs> but, um, but Mr. Justice Meenan was not buying that defence. He, he said that, um, that uh, basically the, the, they had the benefit benefit of the exclusive use of the premises um, during the, 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 the period of the lease, that the, obviously the, the corollary of that, the landlord did not have the, uh, the, the, the use of the premises, and therefore that the, the, the rent should still be paid. And I think it also in the background was the fact that the state had given a lot of support yes, to a okay, lot of Yes, okay, that was important, that was significant. That, 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 you know, it wasn't as if they hadn't been, had some support. Um, but and maybe they were able to sell a few suits online, Mark. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, finally, another case that came before uh, the Court of Appeal, and this involves the Director of Public Prosecutions. This is DPP versus Hogan. It's a decision of Ms. Justice Isabel Kennedy in the Court of Appeal, and it concerned issues to do with the activation of a suspended sentence. Very significant, actually. The Court held that the operational period, you might explain what that is, Mark, mm. for any suspended sentence should be proportionate. Yeah, so this is a, a case where um, somebody was prosecuted for criminal damage, um, and was given a sentence of, I think it was five years with the final 18 months suspended. Now, what a suspended sentence means, basically, is that if you re-offend again during, during the period of suspension, you get to serve the balance. So five years with 18 months suspended means you serve three and a half years. 
if during the period of suspension you come before the courts again, they, they are able to reactivate the 18 months. But in this case, the, sus- the period of suspension was 10 years, yes. which basically meant if the offender had su- uh, offended, offended again, again within in 10 years. for 10 years, they could go back and spend 18 months in jail. And uh, on, on appeal, the Court of Appeal said, no, the, the period of suspension has to have some um, connection to, to the suspended sentence itself, and a 10-year period is excessive. Yes, okay, fair enough, very good. Okay, back shortly with solicitor Floor McCarthy. Silence in the Fifth Court. So we're delighted to be joined in the studio here in Cork by uh, solicitor Floor McCarthy, uh, Floor is a is the principal of McCarthy Solicitors in Clonakilty in West Cork, uh, having taken over the farm from your mother. Isn't that correct? Yes, in, indeed, Mark. I'd have to uh, slight correction. Partner in in McCarthy and Co. My partner John would never let me hear the end of it of if, I, if I didn't correct that one. Right. But uh, yes, um, uh, partner in McCarthy and Co. in Clonakilty since. Uh, about 2000. I see. And Flora is also has recently stepped down uh, from a number of roles in the Law Society, which we'll be talking about. But I think our principal area of interest for this interview is the Solicitors Growth Organisation, which you've been instrumental in developing and which Peter and I would like to talk a lot about. Um, but I suppose if we, if we start at the beginning to sort of, you know, how, how, how you how you went into the law. Was it was it always in the stars, having been in a, a legal family, that you were going to become a solicitor or did you have other ambitions as a child? Uh, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. How, how long have you got? Um, I guess... Um, my father was a solicitor. Is, was is my father is still around, but he's, he was a solicitor. He's retired now. My mother was a solicitor. Uh, my brother John is a solicitor, and my brother Joseph is a solicitor. So I, my brother Paul became a barrister. So so he's the black sheep of the family. But uh, so law has been a genetic kind of um, uh, disorder. I've seen it in our, in the family. But but the same token, it it wasn't necessarily always. There was never any kind of pressure or assumption that that's what I would do. I mean, I I think in terms of my. Um, development at school, I was never particularly interested in it. I, I actually, I, I, I think I blame my my my, my progression on, on 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 Matthew Broderick's career choice in in the movies of the nineteen eighties because uh, uh, he uh, was in War Games in nineteen eighty three. I was born in nineteen seventy two, so it came out here when I was at twelve, and and I love that film. And and uh, I was there with my Vic twenty, thinking I was going to hack the Pentagon, and um, I became a huge computer. Um, buff, and that was that was the thing that was really uh, technology was 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 very big for me when I was a kid, and um, I was convinced I, was, I wanted to do electrical engineering in UCC. I remember I knew sure. what the points were and all that, and I was I was absolutely you know determined to do that, and um, and uh, that was that was up to about what was I think called the group certificate then back in the nineteen eighties, and um, and then in nineteen eighty six. Um, Matthew Broderick starred in um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And <laughs> while War Games was dedicated to computers, Ferris Bueller was a totally different kind of role model. And uh, that's who I wanted to be from about 15 onwards. So computers kind of uh, went out, out the window and, uh, and and I kind of uh, stopped that. Uh, that, that he, uh, he wasn't a lawyer in Ferris Bueller. He, he didn't. And, and, and uh, you were very perceptive there <laughs> and, 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 and very on the ball. But um, I suppose what happened, and again, obviously joking, but I, I never, I didn't really have any particular, you know, thing that I wanted to do. Sure. And uh, I came to the Leaving Cert then. I'd been, science had always been the thing that I would have done as, you know, f- maths and physics and those kinds of subjects. And, and, but I didn't really have any 
just and my dad at the time, I remember just having a conversation with him and he said, well, look, your law is as, as, as good a degree as anything. It's versatile. Sure. You can do that and then go on and do other things. And I and I sort of drifted into it, I suppose, based on, on, on that recommendation. And uh, then did you drift into the family firm? Would, did you consider going to a sort of large corporate firm or going to criminal? Well, again, when I came, I, I went, to, I finished in UCC and, and went in, I went, I, went, I went abroad for a year and then I came back and I did a master's in, in, in UCD in commercial law something that I thought would look good on the CV. And for any law students out there, never do anything because it's going to look good on the CV. That was a terrible year. I absolutely hated it. Never use it for anything uh, if in, in, in the 20 odd years in the meantime. Um, but when I came out of that, th there was an opportunity for an apprenticeship in, in a firm in Dublin, in, in P.F. O'Reilly's in, in, in um, um, South Great George Street. And and that was there as an opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and again, I kind of I suppose the path of least resistance was my my, my route really into law, and um, I, I went into PF Varieties there and um, had a fantastic apprenticeship, as it was called then, uh, there. And and I guess that's when I really kind of woke up. I think to law. I, I mean, I, I I kind of had a good time in college and, and 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 kind of got. I was lazy. I was a good student, but pretty lazy, and so I just kind of did whatever was needed to do to get by. But when I started working in the office, I remember kind of seeing that um, you know. Um, people you really respected were the people who know what they were talking about and knew what they were doing and and how you gained respect was by you know uh, you know you know being able to, to to do that too so suddenly you know what was what had been quite a kind of an academic theoretical kind of thing became something that was um very real and and, and significant M for me making a difference to people's lives exactly that and you're dealing with people who have problems real people with real problems uh, who are interested in solutions not necessarily the technical kind of details that you might be up and certainly as a younger lawyer, you know, I was very much, um, that would have been the, the, the focus. But um, but it was that whole idea of suddenly this was something real. These are people that you could help. And here was was, was, was a way to do that. And uh, and I did that. I was there for for, um, um, for about five years, I guess, up until, the, up until 2000. I moved back to West Cork. But funnily enough, while technology had been something that I was interested in earlier in life, it kind of came back around that time. The, the end of the '90s was 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 the, the, the dot com boom and, and sure. bust. And I remember just in 1999, I registered a domain, uh, McCarthy.ie, and um, and that uh, was obviously, we, we, you know, we didn't get into any kind of a dot com bubble, but we it, it it became the kind of foundation for what I went on to do when I joined the practice in in West Cork. When um, because. The web was something that I was always very interested in. I became very interested in, and and very early we we, we kind of adopted kind of uh, the web as a as a strategy for 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 growing the business. So can, can I just come in for a moment because I'm fascinated by this. Uh, Mark asked you. I mean, you had the opportunity of going to, let's say, a big corporate firm. If that appeals, I mean, why anybody would leave Clonakilty, I don't know. But still, you were in Dublin. You'd given Dublin a lash, and you were doing very well, obviously, in the firm. Uh, and it sounds like you know, with your scientific interests, etc. I mean, you. You know, you're very broad-minded. Um, why did you go home? Well, that's a really, really good question, um, Peter. And 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 the answer is based around my whole philosophy. I think in that, like, I, I always want. I grew up in West Cork. I was very. I, my family was there for years, uh, and um, um, I always wanted to live in West Cork, and I always wanted to raised my family in West Cork and I, <clears throat> by this stage I'd gotten married and my wife wanted to, 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 to live in West Cork too and we decided that's where we wanted to be. So so it was like, it, we, we, the first thing we decided was what we wanted our lives to look like and then we decided what 
was going to serve right. that in terms good, of the business. Yeah. That, 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 so, and again, this is very much how we have done everything in relation to the practice. We've always looked and, 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 and seen what is, I mean, because I, I don't see it that you're, you, you work, uh, you, you, you know, you, you live to work. It's you, you work to live. Sure. And, 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 and the practice or the business that you have has to support the life that you want and has to work yeah. around that. And, and, and so, I mean, um, so being able to, to 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 live in West Cork, raise a family there, and um, and all of that, uh, while having um, our own practice there in 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 clinicality was was always really really important to us. I see, and then in terms of the, the kind of work that you do, then I mean, if you're, you're you're a reasonably small firm in a regional town, does that mean that the most of the the work you're doing is kind of conveyancing, probate, that kind of work, or are you are you limited in the kind of areas of practice you can work in? Well, I think there's a lot of received wisdom around this, and I mean, one of the things was, I mean, I, I came back in in, in 2000. Um, at the time, my salary in Dublin was larger than the turnover in the practice. My mother had set up the business; she'd run it just, you know, and they weren't paying us a lot in Dublin at the time. I, I hasten to add, but but it was just my mum was there on her own. And she, yeah. she she just you know, she wasn't interested in in, in, in growing a business, yeah. but there was the base of there was the, the base of a business there, and um and but when I came back then from two thousand onwards like it grew and grew and grew year and year and year, and I and then my brother John joined me in uh, two thousand and four joined us in two thousand and four, and um and it continued to grow, and I. And we were very much a general practice, needle to an anchor, no job too big or too small, the classic kind of um, small rural practice kind of model, you know, look after the clients and, 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 and they'll send others to you and so on and then come back. And, um, and that continued and up until, funnily enough, around 2007. And I was there thinking I was this business genius that this was, you know, this was this was happening because of my acumen. But of course, you know, it became quickly apparent in 2008 that it wasn't. It was it was it was basically the back of a of a, a property of debt fuel property bubble that a, was a rising tide had raised the boats and suddenly the tide so, so everything was yeah. based on conveyancing. Mm-hmm. Everything was 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 property based. So the, so the, the conveyancing was based on property. Obviously, the probate values were based on property. Yeah. Family law was getting resolved by the yeah. equity in the property. Uh, uh, equity disputes were always being somebody buying out the other person to, 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 to solve the deal. So when that debt bubble burst and the liquidity just went out of the market, you know, our entire business effectively just kind of... So did you have to reinvent the wheel effectively? Completely. And, I mean, we looked at what we were doing then and, um, I mean, the most profitable or most interesting part of the business as far as we were concerned was personal injury work. And, um, um, and I had done, you know, one kind of decent medinet case up to that point. And we said that's what we really, really wanted to do. But we were in Clonakilty, so it's a great town, lovely part of West Cork. But the population is, you know, less than five thousand people, so it's not going to sustain a, a, a specialist um, personal injury and medical negligence practice. But we said that's what we wanted to do, and at the time, that was probably, you know, less than ten percent of our business, um, or had been up to that point. But we said, look, that's what we want to do. So, so that's when we decided. Um, Online was where we were going to go and web was what we were going to, you know, a digital marketing strategy was what we were going to pursue. And I went at that stage. I mean, I had to because, the, 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 as I say, the, 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 the traditional business had more or less evaporated. So I went, um, I went abroad and I looked at, at, at how people were doing it there, particularly into the U.S., and how they were, you know, how, how, how lawyers were marketing themselves there and, and spent a lot of time um, working with, 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 with people there, seeing how they were doing it and, and brought that back. And, um, and then we decided, OK, we were going to pursue kind of a national strategy digitally. And this was 2009, 10, 11, very, very difficult years. And maybe before 
you know, Amazon had really kind of taken off as a thing that people were, you know, just used to and the day-to-day use, uh, um, 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 aspect of their lives. Um, but uh, it... And will you explain that to me, Flora? This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, so you came back with a digital strategy that you that was going to reach out to the whole country, not mm-hmm. just Clonakilty Clon- and the environs of West Cork. So, so how did you go? Well, like, what does that mean? You know, a digital strategy. What does that mean? Well, 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 well essentially, first of all, you know, because the, the received wisdom was, if you're a small practice in a small town, you're a general practice. You have to serve your local market. That's what yeah. uh, what you have to do. But we said, look, okay, our local market isn't going to support what we want to do. We want to specialize in this area. We 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 don't have the volume business we need locally here uh, to do that. And so we said, okay, how can we pursue? This online and 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 marketing ourselves, you know, to a a national market rather than a local one, and and that's just what we started to do. And so, so what did you do? Well, we, we, using our website predominantly. I mean, I mean, obviously, then you know, developing that using the the SEO. I mean, various different strategies in terms of digital uh, marketing and how we generated traffic to the website. And this means, I mean, so you would have clients in, say, Roscommon, Sligo, Mayo, Donegal, I mean... All over the country. And and do they not expect, I mean, somebody who's in the kind of vulnerable position who who, who wants to sue in a medical negligence case, do they not want to see their solicitor face-to-face? Or do you travel the country to... 95% of our clients never set foot in the office. Right. And... When was your first uh, phone call from, let's say, hi, John from Sligo here? You know, I, are you floor sort I, of thing? I, I will never forget. Actually, we 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 set up a system for for, for lead generation, and we set it up uh, over a. Um, it was an Easter. It was over the Easter uh, uh, break, and uh, uh, and I remember we set it live just in, in just in Holy Week of, of Easter week, and I was walking on the Warren Strand in Ross Carberry on. Easter Saturday, and I saw the first email lead inquiry coming through from the website wow. on the phone, and it was like bingo. That's right. that We've it, done it, it. it's working, and I mean it it it, it, it just it, it developed like that. I mean, but we 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 moved from 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 something being a um being being from from a from a vice to to a necessity to, to you know for something from being a necessity to a virtue. Right. Insofar as I mean, like what what we find in dealing with people over the you know is first of all. Like, Traveling to somebody's office to have a meeting is a major inconvenience. Yeah. You've got to get time off work. You've got to get, you yeah. know, dressed up. You've got to get somebody to mind the kids. You've got to do the travel. And then you're doing all of this to, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe, and you're, you're expecting, okay, am I paying, you know, a significant hourly rate mm-hmm. now for going into this, this meeting? Whereas we said, okay, we do it over the phone. We'll do it. I mean, this was before COVID and before kind of Zoom had become widely kind of used, but, but I mean, we were using, I mean, and, and, and we just, you know, and people become once 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 you can develop trust, yeah. and once people know that they're getting taken care of, and they're going to get, and and then it's 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 a much more convenient way of doing. But you then have the other side of it, which is that the cases presumably are largely heard in Dublin in the High Court, so you have to have somebody. You, you have to have some presence there, even if it's town agent, and then your counsel. To- oh, completely. I mean, but but again, you know, I mean. That was just the nature of our business anyway. So, I mean, like a lot of, I mean, any of your, your, your decent um, 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 high core stuff is, you know, most of your, your, your all of your kind of interim uh, emotions and so on are going to be happening in Dublin anyway. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, that was, and, and, and traveling up and down for 
uh, court appearances and settlement negotiations and all that kind of thing is, is, is kind of part and parcel of what you expect as a rural So, so you still are going up fairly regularly. I mean, you're not managing everything and, and doing all your settlement well, meetings your, from well, remotely. Like, again, I mean, COVID was just a complete game changer. I mean, we had been inter- developing our new business and our client relationships online long before COVID happened. And 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 as I say, the, the, the business was, I mean, now we're 75% uh, personal injury, medical negligence, and and that's right. all developed uh, online. Um, and but um, but I suppose the 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 really significant thing then with COVID was that suddenly the rest of the world suddenly seemed to move online as yeah. well. And so now now you're dealing, you're able to deal with motions, uh, you know, um, virtually. Yeah. Um, and off suddenly, settlement negotiations could never happen virtually yeah. until COVID and now they can. And, yeah. and and I mean, okay, so you're still, there's still always a place for, for in-person and, and, and there's no getting around that. But um, I, I was thinking in terms of circuits more than the high court in one way, because everybody goes to the high court, doesn't matter where you are in the country, you, you'll ultimately end up, unless you have the personal injuries two weeks that have come to your area. But what about the circuit stuff? You know, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're up in the, the Midlands circuit or in the southeast, like you're obviously very well established in Clonakilty. Your family are well known. Your father was there before you. Your mother was there before you. And you'd know all the solicitors, etc., which can make it easy to do business at times. But you don't have that floor if you land into a different part. Or maybe you do now. Maybe you do now. Well, but uh, was that a challenge? I mean, it is, but it's, 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 I mean, I suppose these are the, the, the problems of success when you, when you, when you have the case. I mean, it's about how, just how do you, how do you manage it? And, and again, you know, as we know, the vast majority of cases are 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 are, are disposed of before you're 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 having to run them. So, okay. I mean, it's um, it's a, so that ain't a problem. It 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 hasn't been. I mean, okay. I, there, you know, there's oh, always going to be a certain ta- amount you of tell trouble. Tell me how it works then. So it's online. So, would you tell me how you interact with with clients then? Well, it's it's. I suppose it, it, our primary thing has been has always been around just um, uh, trying to demystify the process in as much as possible, and to look at what it's, it's. We're not. It's not about us and and how what great lawyers we are and how much experience we have and what. But we are great lawyers, by the way. Well, just to, well, just I mean, to put that out, goes there. without saying. I mean, but <laughs> but uh, I, I think ex. But I, as I say, I think excellence as a lawyer is 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 necessary but not sufficient. Yes, you know, right? yes, I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, but. Um, it's about how can we help? How can we solve the problem? How can we make the, 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 the prospective client who's coming into this world, which is very, very threatening and intimidating and, 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 and in, a, in a situation where the reason they're here in the first place is, 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 is not because of a positive experience. Um, and how can we make them feel comfortable about, you know, first of all, making the inquiry to, to begin with and then just start the conversation, put them at ease and, 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 and figure but out. But it's all done on a paper basis or I mean, online basis. Um, Somebody fills out a form, you well, reply it's, back it's, and forth. Our, our pr- primary thing always is get, get on the phone. Get on you know? the phone. Get on yeah, the yeah. phone. Okay. I mean, that's, that's it's and, and then once you get on the phone, and I mean, you, you mean, and once you develop rapport with the, with the, with the, the person, once they, you can develop, you know, start the development of, of, of trust. Um, it's, 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 no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And when, when you talk about this, I mean, I'm thinking of someone like Keanu Carroll, who's based in, in Clonwell, is that right? Uh, yeah, he's in Tipperary uh, anyway, yeah, somewhere exactly. I know, and obviously as a, as a major medical negligence yes. practice as well. So, you know, that, that seems to be the case. You don't have to be in Dublin, you know, to, to reach out to people throughout the country. You, you don't have to be in Dublin. I mean, but it, and if you think about it, I mean, a lot of, I mean, if you're looking for a specialist and you're in a rural location, 
it's it's probably in your head that you're going to have to travel anyway because you're yeah. not going to get a specialist local to you, you know, necessarily. So you're saying, okay, am I going to go to Dublin? Am I going to Cork? Am I going, where am I going in terms? Is it a large urban center? Once you're once you're going out of your locality, you know, to my mind, it really is immaterial sure. whether you're going to to, to Dublin, Clan okay. Kilty, or no, and it, it, in terms of. Um, you know, you came up with, let's say, a very novel approach and fair play to your floor. You didn't keep it all to yourself because you're very much involved in the law society. How did the law society react to this or were they interested in these new ways and new approaches for generating business? Um, we are very traditional in the legal yeah. professions. Yeah, I mean, I've, and I've always been very, very, very open and, and, and interested in sharing about it. Um I, I have to say, I find our profession in general is 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 not open to to this, and it's 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 not so much that that there's any kind of um, uh, resistance to it or whatever, but it's just I, I just don't think you know as a profession that we are. Um, I, I feel somehow lawyers sometimes tend to feel that they're exempt from the rules of business and 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 and, and what we need to do to kind of grow and develop businesses. And, and and I suppose that brings naturally then to the development of the Solicitors Growth Organisation because I think I'm right in saying that yourself and a couple of other people have now sort of taken that situation um, and provided a, a level of support to to a number of solicitors around the country. Um, in terms of providing online help and assistance. Um, can you tell us, how, what, what, first of all, I mean, I first became aware of this once with COVID because you started doing these online seminars. Was the germ of the idea already there? Um, no, uh, is the short answer. Um, and uh, solicitor's growth is a phenomenon that kind of happened to me in a way, I feel. I mean, um what happened was, I mean, I, this is—it's not the first iteration that I've done for this. I have—I ran a, a marketing business for solicitors prior to this because I, I wrote a book on marketing. Well, we should and, say you wrote a very nice book called "The Solicitor's Guide to Marketing and Growing a Business," which was published in—that was, was published in goodness, but probably 2015 now, I think. Right. And, and and off the back of that, I, I had—I ran a, a, a business um, uh, helping solicitors or right. with the idea of helping solicitors to, to market their business. And funnily enough, well, there was—you know—that was there was some interest in that business. I found overall. All, there was a certain degree to which we were trying to push water uphill with with, yeah. with, with, with with trying to help colleagues there, you know, and some people are into that and get it and others just don't feel that they, they, they really mm. are interested in doing that. Um, but by, but having done that, I had a list and I had, uh, I had been, I'd, I'd been developing a list of colleagues for, for, for in terms of the book and the, the other business that I had, uh, had been developing and I had the capacity to be able to do webinars. I had the technology and, 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 and so on. And, um, I, and then COVID happened. And I don't know if you remember, just casting your mind back to that now, it was March 2020. And you remember that really kind of febrile time, everybody was hoarding the toilet paper. And, and, and it was, there was some really dark stuff happening. You remember the coffins in Italy and, and, yeah. and the, the, the T-shirt with that um, in Washington, I think, the, the first announcement of the lockdown that yeah. time. And then there was the, that St. Patrick's Day kind of speech. And everything was really... Um, was was quite scary, and I think we were. And I was I was actually terrified because, like, the reason I had gone. Um, I, mean, I mean, while you know our business took moved in the direction as, as a solicitor's practice, our business moved in the direction that it did because of a, a kind of a tumultuous event in the the crash in in '08, um, and I was absolutely petrified that this was going to happen again when, when, when COVID struck, you know, and that suddenly our businesses were all kind of shut down and was it going to be an economic crash? And so I think there was a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation at the time. And I mean, it just as it happened, 
myself and a colleague, Martin Lawler, had been planning to do some webinars for the profession um, in, in 2020. And I remember just sending him a text on a Friday evening and I said, look, hold on, this is, this is all um, just unfolding here now. What would you say about doing a webinar for um, the profession? Put it out to the, 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 the email list that I had and, um, and, and just see how can we, how can we you know, help and, 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 and bring people together. And I sent out an email. Um, Martin said, yeah, let's do it. And I sent out an email. And um, the following Friday, we had 600 people on a webinar. 600? Yeah. And it was just extraordinary. It was, and what it, was the webinar on? We were, at the time, we were talking about how, what did you do in the, in the how COVID How to survive crisis, COVID, how, COVID you know, yeah. right, At then, we were just, we had been in a lockdown for a week. And what were we going to do? And what was your practice going to do? And what were, and I mean, we had, everybody was, do you remember stuck in at yeah. home at that stage and we couldn't even go into the office you couldn't go outside your two kilometers and and we had and i had the platform i had the technology so suddenly what happened in that kind of extraordinary time was you know 600 people who had never even knew what a webinar was before yeah. the vast majority of them and suddenly they were there online and they were able to chat to each other Hmm. Uh, on the on the platform, so there was there was obviously we were we were you know having the the the, the presentation, but there was the chat happening um, uh, contemporaneously, and this was just extraordinary because what happened then was you had colleagues all over the country who would you know were, were and they, then they started talking to each other in hmm. in in the chat, and suddenly they would say they say oh then they see they'd see Mark Tottenham and they say hi hey, Mark how are you and it's, yeah. it's Jimmy down in in in, in, in wherever, and, uh, and and people were 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 were, were People were genuinely kind of they were scared and they were lonely and, yeah. and, and this was this was an opportunity to connect and um, and it just went from there and and so so it wasn't something that we developed we, we decided this this is a business opportunity let's do this we just said look okay we've got this technology we're, we're going to just do a webinar anyway let's just see what, what, what will we do now for for, for, for people uh, in 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 the midst of this and that started in March of 2020 it rolled on into we, then we started to just do them on a monthly basis from then on. And it became, as I say, the first one was extraordinary with 600 people. Um, and then it grew and grew and grew. And the, 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 I suppose at the peak in November of that year, which would have been, um, again, around this time of year when we're, as we're recording this now, which was, is around the time of the personal injury or the, the, the professional indemnity insurance renewal, which is obviously a very kind of a, a critical time for, for, for colleagues. And I mean, I remember on that, that webinar we did around the PII renewal in 2020, we had over a thousand people right. on the webinar. So, so that, then just it, the, the, this thing just grew into a kind of a, an online community of colleagues who were together and who were connecting with each other. And it wasn't just us, you know, lecturing to the the the, mm. the, 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 the the attendees. This was very much a kind of an interactive experience. People were speaking to each other. We were, people were speaking to us mm. and then we were responding to that. And, um, and, 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 and it, it, it developed as a kind of an online community okay. and then so, it grew into the, 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 the thing that is solicitors. And, and generally supportive of colleagues, etc. Are, are you doing something that the law society should be doing itself? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the, the law society should be doing. I mean, I think it's like, you know, it's like anything. I mean, in in like the law society is. I mean, I, I've been involved with the law society for the last six years as a council member on a various different committee role. And it's, it's it's you know it's it's a fantastic organization. So you can operate side by side. I don't, oh, no, oh, I, I completely. But I'm not I, asking I, to be critical I, of no, the no, law society. I'm not saying I, that. And, but and no, it's, no, no, no. But 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 it's very important. I mean, the law society has a function, it, and it, but it has to be a broad church that has to be kind of it has to be there for everybody, every practicing solicitor in Ireland, and it has a regulatory function. It regulates education. It no longer deals with complaints, but it regulates education. It regulates um, the 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 um, um, you know uh, solicitors' accounts, so so it has it has okay. that function to do. 
and it can't be it can't pick and choose who it's going to cater to it has to cater to everybody yes and and i suppose we just decided okay well look our the space that i'm in is the small medium size um uh, practice and uh, and that's who we kind of primarily serve okay and, and, and okay very good so so two and a half years on now from that initiative which is which is brilliant floor um i mean if i was asking you to uh, asking you to fill out a form and saying what issues have arisen two and a half years on what are the issues that your colleagues in the in the small and medium sized bracket uh, are, 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 are talking about, want support from their colleagues in relation to, what are the issues? Well, I, I suppose the biggest issue for colleagues I find all of the time is just this, this sense of, of just, you know, ceaseless regulation and administration that they have to, to do on top of their actual legal practice and, and how they can, can manage all of that. Um, so I think that's, that's the, the biggest burden and frustration that I hear from, from, from colleagues. But, um, but, but, but what I find, what we are finding just phenomenal and really just extraordinary within the, the community is that, um, um, it's 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 the extent to which um, colleagues can feel that they can come into. We have we have a, we have an online community. We we have a, a, our, our own dedicated app, which everybody who's a member becomes a has access via the app, and it's it's almost like a kind of a private social media kind of hmm. uh, community, and um and and, and colleagues can feel that they can they can let their guard down in there. Yeah. Okay. And and they can be themselves in there. And I mean, like I suppose, as lawyers, I mean, we are we're, 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 we we've got the body armor on all the time. Mm-hmm. We're expected to kind of be, you know, play the part. Play the part. We, we've got all the answers. We know what we're doing. We're totally together. We're totally competent. There's no chink of kind of vulnerability ever shown to the outside world, not to the client, not to the opposing, um, to, to the opposing so lawyer. So it's, it's a confidence trick. <laughs> well, that's uh, frankly, I, but, but what I say to people is, guys, you can put the body armor down at the door that's, when that, you come in That's what in I'm here. really interested about, yeah. Floor, is, I mean, like we, you pick up the paper and you see the big corporate firms. There are all, all these kind of international firms that are kind of being situated in Dublin and some of them are in Cork and some of them are in Waterford and Limerick and various different places. But they seem to be recruiting new solicitors. We hear about kind of eye-watering hourly rates that some of the senior partners are charging. I think that's that's well known. So this is a different sector and it's a very important sector. You provide, you know, services to, to people throughout the country. Are they doing okay as well? I mean, I suppose there are people at various different um, um, uh, uh, levels, but I, I think a lot of our colleagues, I mean, I, I, and thankfully, I think, you know, for many of us now, they're, you know, things are going reasonably well, but I think a lot are struggling with, as I say, the, the burden of administration and, 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 and the non-productive kind of cost and work that they have to, to carry. But um, what, what, what we find is that, I mean, for a lot of them, oftentimes for, for the smaller practitioner and the medium-sized practitioner, they can be very, very isolated. And there can be very, very few people who you can actually open up to and say, you know what, I just don't know what to do here. I don't know. It, it, it could be a technical query about some area of practice that they actually don't know the answer to. It could be something around some difficult kind of file or complaint that they are, you know, potential complaints. Well, f- funnily enough, I was talking to a Dublin solicitor who was saying that solicitor's growth suddenly gave her an opportunity to, you know, to, to she said, said it made, made solicitors feel like a profession again, that you were able to pick up the phone or get in touch with somebody in a way that wasn't available previously. Well, exactly. I mean, we, 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 it's collegiality has been the 
biggest kind of, you know, is the, is, is the whole kind of core of what we do is, and, and the generosity of colleagues to mm. each other in an environment where they feel, first of all, that they're, they're that they, it's a kind of a safe space where they yeah. can actually open up and be themselves and they can come along and ask questions. I mean, like mm. just this month now, particularly, we have a lot of people in there um, um, just sharing their experiences around the PII renewal. Yep. And, and previously, it's professional indemnity insurance renewal. So previously, that's something that, you know, you would have had each individual solicitor dealing with the insurance industry on an individual basis. And they have yep. no idea what everybody else's experience is like. Yep. Whereas now they're suddenly coming in and saying, OK, this is what happened to me. This is the quote that I got. This is what I went back with. Yep. And people are able to say, well, this is so, so but, share experiences. And, but, and, but rather than just give information, and I appreciate it's very important, support is very important. And I fully get the idea of somebody being on their own, an issue comes in and needs needing the assistance of colleagues. I mean, we work in a, in, in a bigger environment in the law library where you're shouting at people all the time. Mm-hmm. So and has anybody heard about this? And, you know, that's exactly. very, very important to have that. But can you collectively act for this group of, of solicitors that tune into your, your regular monthly seminars? I mean, is that is that a proposal? I mean, that's obviously the role of the law society. But what about your own group? Can you can you negotiate in terms of professional indemnity insurance, do anything like that? For them? I, I, I wouldn't see it. it it's something, it, I, 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 having a representative role like that. I mean, we, see our role as being how can we serve i mean that's where we that's what we grew out of there was there was a crisis and we said how can we what can we do to help here and then suddenly this this kind of community of colleagues just kind of grew up around that i mean similarly in the where we are now i mean it's we're listening to our colleagues all of the time and we can see then how can we then serve the, the, the needs that we're hearing from our colleagues. And, and it's, 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 it's very much a kind of an interactive experience and like that. Would you have members at all from the sort of the larger firms, from the sort of the big corporate firms? I mean, can you, can, is there a service that you can provide them to? Well, we do. I mean, again, our niche is the, is the small, medium size, yeah. um, uh, which I suppose is 95% of the profession. But I mean, we have, we have partners in, in larger firms who are, who are members of solicitors who love to get their so their you join as an individual or as a firm exactly I mean we, we have we have um, we have as we have partners in, in in large firms who are who are who are members we have also of have, have, have larger firms who have decided that they want to get their um, their solicitors and all, all of their associates having their CBD taken care of oh, so the whole solicitor. firm will then join it's, exactly right, a, exactly right, okay, exactly yeah. and and uh, and and so so you have I suppose you have multiple things happening you first of all you have they have access to getting their 20 hours of, of CPD conveniently yeah. online. And, and, and we like to think that the way we do it and what we deliver is, is quite different to what's available elsewhere. It's much more kind of practitioner-led and interactive with the community rather than mm-hmm. just being a, as a, a lecture that's delivered um, on, on a technical subject. Um, so there's that element of, first of all, is you, you, you can get, you can take care of the CPD requirement without having to leave your desk. You don't have to travel. You don't have, and if you've got associates who are working for you, you don't have to have them yeah. with downtime traveling to CPD and all of the rest of that. And you're getting that taken care of very, very, very cost effectively. Um, but as I say, the real, mm-hmm. the, 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 the real thing for us is our, for what we see with the members is when, what they, what they don't realize, if you like, the, 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 the tip of the iceberg is the CPD webinar mm-hmm. offering, but the, 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 the real um, benefit in there is access to that community. And even yeah. if you, you mentioned I mean, s- s- large partners in large firms, those can be lonely places too, Absolutely. and you know, I mean, just yeah. the ability to be able to go out and 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 open up to to um, 
to colleagues who understand the difficulties that sure. we're facing yeah. as practitioners. Okay, Flora. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just saying this is this has been absolutely fascinating, and, and we're getting to the stage. Unfortunately, they're waving at the window. Uh, we only have a, a certain period of time, but before we go, I want to read out a quote from the back of your book. Uh, this is from St- Stuart Gilhooley, who's a former president of the Law Society of Ireland. He says, "Flora McCarthy is ahead of his time." I think we all agree with that, uh, and he wants to bring you with him. He tackles everything from basic marketing to disruption to what the future what the future will look like for lawyers. So my parting question to you is, what will the future look like for lawyers? What do you think is coming down the tracks? Um, well, I, I, if, if, if you'll... Um, uh, when I wrote that book in 2015, I was we were talking then, were, 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 were self-driving cars going to be a thing? And here in 2022, they still haven't materialised. So I, I, yeah. I, I think the prediction business is not one... The law has been an element of tradition, of uh, course. Yeah. Predictions are very hard, particularly about the future, as they say. But am um, I... Would I mean? Frankly, I, th- I mean, it, it can seem very, very challenging at times, and it can seem like we're we're up against it in terms of all of the changes that are that are that are coming down the tracks. I mean, I know for a lot of colleagues, they'll see the changes to um, uh, PI uh, um, um, guidelines last year was very, very challenging, and, and there's been a number of things like that. But I believe as long as we provide an excellent service to our clients and provide real benefits and solutions for our clients. I, I don't have any fear for, for, for what the future okay. of lawyers are going wonderful. to be. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, we have, to, we, are, we have a parting question. As you know, we asked you to recommend maybe a legal book, something with a, with a law theme. It could be anything. It could be fiction. It can be serious stuff, whatever, and, and a movie as well. So did you think about that, Flora? I did. Now, my, my, my movie is, um, I am going to pick a law theme. It is, it is an outstanding film um, from 1982, um, uh, uh, directed by... Sydney. Matthew Broderick? No, it didn't. It doesn't start Matthew Broderick that <laughs> okay. time. It, it, it's uh, Paul, Paul Newman and um, The Verdict, uh, directed by Sidney Lumet. And and uh, written by David Mamet, an absolutely extraordinary uh, film. Can't uh, recommend it very, very highly. It's available, I think, on Google Play if, if, if you're um, interested in, in, in seeing that. And the book that I would recommend is not a legal book, but it is one that um, has been inspirational for me on many, many levels. And in fact, the, the, the writer of it is somebody who who, who has... Uh, part of the reason why solicitor's growth exists in the first place is a man called Ryan Holiday. And uh, the book is, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. And um, it is about how um, uh, the obstacles that we face can sometimes be the uh, the greatest opportunities that uh, that uh, we are ever presented with. And that certainly has been my experience in uh, in, in, in 2008 and again in, uh, in 2020. So... Great. Well, thank you very much, Flora. That was fascinating uh, about solicitors' growth and your career in general. And um, best of luck with it in the future. Well, thank you very much indeed for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here, guys. The Fifth Court will adjourn until next week. So that's all from this edition of The Fifth Court. We hope you have enjoyed it. Can we say a huge thank you to our guest, Solicitor Flora McCarthy, who talked to us all about his highly progressive network, uh, Solicitor's Growth. Really interesting. Absolutely. I think it's a really progressive uh, initiative and I think it'll make a lot of difference. I think a lot of other professions could learn from it. And how he set up a medical negligence practice for the country mm. operating at a clonacility. It's really Quite progressive, very, very impressive. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so a wonderful interview there. 
can we also say a huge thank you to our producer Conal O'Morine for all his assistance in putting this together and also to the gang up in the Dublin South podcast studios for helping us out with recording uh, this broadcast. Uh, if you have any comments or any legal stories that you would like us to consider or raise, please contact us uh, on our website or on LinkedIn. Uh, and as always, Mark, we want people to share. Absolutely. Any friends or colleagues or anybody you meet in the street who you think might be interested in this podcast, do just tell them all about it. Do, please. Uh, we're, we want to shoot up the charts again. We're still hovering in the in the top ten, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Christmas number one, though. Don't know. Don't know. You know, maybe a bit too optimistic at this stage. So for me, Peter Leonard. And myself, Mark Tottenham. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon in the Fifth Court. Never miss a vital Irish legal judgment. Check out Decisis Law Reports, where you'll find a fully indexed collection of all Irish judgments delivered since 2011. Visit decisis.ie to find out more.